Hey everybody, welcome to the High School Times, a podcast made for high schoolers by a high schooler. High school is a time when we learn things about ourselves that shape us for the rest of our lives as a place to develop our interests and figure out what makes all of us individually unique. This podcast is meant to broadcast unique student perspectives on the experiences they have lived through, the unique interests they have, and their take on general issues. Whether you're on your way to school, in the shower, or doing some homework, take a little time to turn on an episode and listen in. I'm your host, Jay Jom, and let's get into the episode. Hey guys, today we have a very special guest on the show today. Um, Sam Centurion is here with us. He's a classmate of mine. We go to the same school. Um, absolutely thrilled to have him on the podcast today. Sam, do you want to introduce yourself? Glad to be here. My name is Sam Centurion. I'm in 11th grade, go to the same school as Jay. So yeah. Yeah, Sam. So I mean, like we haven't really, we just usually just chop it up. Usually we don't really talk about school because I mean, nobody wants to talk about school, but what, what electives are you taking this year? I'm taking stats and econ. So what effects, what, what electives are you taking? Taking cosmology and film arts. Cosmology and film arts. So cosmology stars and stuff, right? Yep. And then film arts. So that's kind of a, wow, film. I don't know you did film, but what do you do in the class? So in the class, we have like a variety of like different concepts we'll do, right? Like we'll make a documentary style film. We'll learn about like how to make short films, how to use certain camera angles, things like that. So it goes in basically any direction based on the unit we're in and the prompt we're given. So, Wait, but how, how do you like, how does the class work if like, you know, with the whole COVID situation going on, how does it work? You know, are you just... Yeah, of course. I mean, the films you make have to change because of the environment you're in, right? Right. That doesn't mean you can't still tell good stories and you can't still improvise and, you know, make things seem real that aren't real, right? Because that's something that happens all the time in film industry. Rather, you have millions of dollars of equipment and uh, millions of dollars in the budget or not. So <clears throat> it's changed in the sense that we had a unit about making a Zoom recording as a film. And... Um, we obviously can't have like 11 actors on a set or something like that, but you can still make films. Definitely. It's like the assignments. So they are like, I'm guessing the last traditional where you do like a write up and you're like asked about different camera angles. It's more like make something using this technique. Like, is that the majority of the assignments or you're actually like writing things up? It's a mix. It started earlier in the year with more writing assignments about, you know, a reaction to a short film or a reaction to a film concept. And it's kind of become more, hands-on at this point so now we're starting to make more films which is you know what i love to do so definitely happy about that so so you've been you had a previous interest in film before this class or was there something you saw and you were like oh i want to take this class no i've definitely had a previous interest of film before this class just because of the fact that every summer i go to spain and right. uh, my family is filled with huge film buffs nobody does it professionally but it's a hobby of you know, my entire family. So every summer, my uncle would show me films um, from the black and white era, from different countries, modern films, basically any film imaginable. And because of that, I just learned to appreciate good storytelling and um, creative directors who make films that really can't be copied. 
So, so you're saying your uncle's like what got you into film? Like, was there a specific like film what you saw that you know you got kind of interest you? There wasn't a definitive film that made me say, "Wow, I'm gonna do film now because this one movie has decided my entire choice of career." You right. Know, I'm the type of person to be inspired like that, but um, in terms of like directors or interesting movies that got me more engaged with making films, I'd have to say like Quentin Tarantino, Martin Scorsese, Stanley Kubrick, um, David Fincher, those directors. And in terms of movies like The Matrix, um, Seven, Fight Club, movies that kind of are thrillers, but also have insane plot twists and aren't exactly clear until the end. The first one, the first movie you said, what was it again? Uh, the Matrix. The Matrix. Oh, I was thinking of a different movie. I was thinking of the one with Leonardo DiCaprio, that, that movie. What's it called? It's like that one where he's like... Yeah, 15 movies with Leonardo DiCaprio. No, no, there's one that was like super trippy. It's not The Matrix, but... Oh, Inception. Yeah, Inception, no, Inception, Inception definitely ranks among those movies. Well, who, who directed that movie? Uh, Scorsese, I'm pretty sure. Scorsese, damn, that was a trippy movie. I think I had to read like after like what happened. Or did David Fincher? What? I think it was. It's someone. It's someone I know, and the only person that I know that you listed was Martin. No, Scorsese. it's Christopher Nolan. Christopher, Christopher Nolan. Nolan directed that. Yeah. Too Tenet. Have you watched that movie Tenet? Uh, haven't watched it yet, but definitely. I watched. It. It's crazy, bro. You it's gotta crazy. watch. It. If you're talking about like insane plot lines, that that tripped me up. I mean, he's also made like Interstellar, like Dark Knight Rises. Now he's a great director. Yeah, I mean, he's—I've heard his name thrown around a couple of times before. Um, so you—you're trying to be a director with this whole film stuff, like directing film, writing film. Because I know my brother, he wants to do film writing. I'm not sure if that's what you want to do. Like, see, with me, I love all—I um, love all aspects of making films, like from just thinking of ideas. <clears throat> to make an original screenplay and then actually turning that into a film by, you know, using different camera angles, using different methods, uh, kind of telling actors uh, how to react to certain things in the plot and how to react to certain events in the movie. And then also like the post-production process, that's probably my weakest point, but I do want to get good at film editing because that has endless possibilities as well. So, so you're kind of like, you're not focused on one thing. It's kind of like, let me just try everything and then like I'll eventually like narrow it down. It's basically making a movie uh, from scratch, start to finish. Right. Do you think Avenue's doing a good job with like the course they're giving and just like sort of like, is it like a good course for you to develop your skin, uh, film skills or it's just kind of like stuff you already know, you're going over the basics again? I mean, they started teaching basics in the beginning of the year because obviously not everybody who takes film has like, you know, 10 years of experience, not saying that I do either by any means, but I do know like a good amount about like basic camera angles, about certain acting styles, about how to format and uh, how to screen write. So because of that, the class was a little dry in the beginning of the year, but after it turned into like one of the most fun classes I've had this year, just because of the creativity that goes on in the class. So. I know, I know you're definitely like one of those people who are like obsessed with film because you say film and you don't say like a movie or like 
short clip, you say film. It's like how you know someone's like, he knows what he's talking about, like when he says film. Like, do you run the film club at Avenues? Yeah. So I do run the film club, and I'm going to try to make it more hands on next year. Right. Basically, the premise of the film club this year is that we'll, um, we'll all watch a certain film, and then in the club meeting, um, one of the club leaders will make a presentation about it, and they'll talk about like the acting that goes on, the editing, fun facts about the production process, uh, cool editing, CGI, whatever, at basically any aspect of film. Right. So, I mean, you started this year, don't you? Like, how many, how many people you got in the club? Right now? Yeah. About, like, 13 total, something like that. Oh, so pretty solid, actually. Yeah. Yeah, it's not a basketball club. So have you made films before? I'm assuming you have. Yeah, I've made, um, I'd say the proudest I've been of a film I've made would definitely be the documentary I made for Avenues in Guatemala back in ninth grade, because I used like drone shots for that. Um, I had to do all the interviews in Spanish. So I kind of had to interview everybody in Spanish while at the same time, like watching what camera angles are being used. And I also had to edit it for post-production. Um, so that's one of the films I'm most proud of. But I've also made shorts and other things like that. Wait, I'm still relatively new though. So in total films made, I probably have like, I don't know, like five to eight like, good films. Good films. So there are some that are like not good. Yeah, obviously. All right. So for the Guatemala one, which is the one you're most proud of, right? What was the, what was the premise of it? Like, it was just like a documentary sort of like, so, so why, this, why were you Guatemala in the first place? So the trip was to basically make a documentary about like Guatemalan artisans, right? So we kind of interviewed workers in this ceramic, in this uh, ceramics shop. And uh, from there we learned about like their livelihoods, why they're into ceramics, what their job includes, their lives in Guatemala. Oh, so it's just like an autobiography, but like on a film version, right? Yeah. It was, yeah, it was an autobiography of like two uh, people with also some side interviews mixed in. Pretty solid, pretty solid. I mean, like, so you liked it because you got like shots you wouldn't normally have, like your own shots? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, Guatemala as a country is beautiful. So like the right. amount of uh, drone shots I was able to take and shots with like great lighting, because we also had really good equipment, which obviously isn't the most important thing the most important thing is kind of having a clear-cut idea being creative being original um executing what you're writing down mm -hmm. but good equipment goes a long way as well yeah i can imagine so do you have any personal equipment of your own yeah i have um i have a dslr camera a camcorder a tripod a lavalier mic and a boom so yeah, I know, like, just the camera. I don't know what, what yeah. anything. So basically, to give you, like, a 10-second explanation, a lavalier mic are mics that the actor, like, wears underneath their clothes. Oh, so it's like, that, like, just like the FBI stuff? Like, yeah, so, like, like wearing wires, right? Yeah. <laughs> exactly, like, wearing wires, but, you know, no snitching, no legal stuff going on. 
Um, so they do that because if you're ever interviewing someone who's on the move, or there's a lot of like bad audio in the background, having a lavalier mic uh, kind of takes away from that. And a boom mic is probably one that you've seen all the time in cartoons and movies and anything. It's just a mic that you kind of like grab above your head and you hold it above the camera. Oh, above the, all right, got you, got you. Well, what the acting side of it? Do you act? Um, I used to act when I was a kid. I don't really act anymore, but I'll act in certain films I'll shoot. And I hope when to act. When you say act, like, okay, every kid acted in like that one, like Willy Wonka play. Like, no, nah, man, I actually got a, a fun fact. The Cars for Kid commercial, you know them? No way. There's no way. There's I no got a call about that. Commercial. Yeah. You were in that. I wasn't in it. I got a call about being in it, though. And you said no? You said no to that? No, nah, because I couldn't do it since I was in Spain. One day. There's no way. There's no way. Okay. Well, I'm glad you weren't because that, that was annoying. That, that commercial was annoying. Like, I know, right? Whiny, hun, cars, bitches. If you, if you don't know, if you don't know that advertisement, if anybody's listening to this and doesn't know that advertisement, then I don't know. York City, grew up in 04, 03, 02, 05, whatever. You heard that blasting on the radio, blasting on your cable TV after Nick at night. You heard that everywhere most annoying commercial of all time and i'm glad it was tolerable after the first three times but then afterwards i just wanted to throw like throw my remote at the tv it was horrible it rocks at the tv yeah i'm so glad you weren't in that because i would have flamed you like really bad mm-hmm. when we talk a about film what else are you interested in like film just is music because imagine film and music go hand in hand right yeah music's definitely my number two and I definitely listen to a lot of music that I want to make films about, kind of like Quentin Tarantino does, because Quentin Tarantino is extremely famous for basically having the music he's going to use in the scene in mind before any of the actual like plot in the scene or camera angles or anything. So he'll base it off of a piece of music. He sometimes does that. Not not always, obviously. He works back. Yeah, music's definitely my number two interest. And uh, I play guitar. Uh, played piano when I was a little kid, and I'm gonna learn how to play drums soon, hopefully. So Quentin Tarantino, there's a lot you said. So Quentin Tarantino, he worked backward from like where he started. Yeah, he worked backward. You know what it reminds me of? Because I feel like a lot of people who are great at what they do, they work like in a different way. You know, Dave Chappelle. I'm not sure if you like watch one of his Netflix specials. Of he actually talks Chappelle about Chappelle show. Chappelle, show, Chappelle, Chappelle shows. legendary comic, obviously, but he did this really crazy thing. In one of his shows, he talks about. We had a fishbowl full full of um full of like punchlines, right? And then yeah. draw a punchline from the fishbowl every time and actually make a joke from the punchline. And I, I I don't know if you guys know, but I do stand-up comedy. So the punchline is always like what the person's supposed to laugh at, and it usually comes at like the climax of the joke, and there are multiple climaxes within a within a joke, right? So you have a setup for you have a setup for a punchline, right? So you're trying to set up something story which is a story for the punchline and then you say the punchline that's when they laugh right so he actually works backwards he actually has the punchlines and then creates a setup beforehand which is really hard to do because i mean you really gotta like you gotta work it like completely the other way around so i don't know quentin tarantino doing that same thing was remind me of Dave Chappelle. so quentin tarantino he did um kill bill right yeah oh kill bill's fire kill bill i mean i want to make a movie just like that because i think using animation combined with actual real life footage in a movie is so awesome 
and the black and white part of the film. Um, the black and white the part? Yeah. No, the original cut of the movie. There's uh, but like the last part of Kill Bill Volume One is actually in black and white when Uma Thurman is uh, out there uh, battling, right? So because of that, like I think that was a big inspiration in terms of making films because I want to go out to Japan one day and just make a film like that. I think it would be incredible. There's one scene in Kill Bill Man when they were like, it was, okay, so if you guys There's know Kill Bill. scenes of people getting their uh, heads chopped off and then all of a sudden blood, you know, defies the laws it's of gravity. He's like a gruesome director. He's very gruesome in his things. But oh no, he's extremely gruesome. I mean, once upon a time in Hollywood, I'm not going to spoil. I'm not going to spoil the ending of that, but the um, the ending was both hilarious and gruesome. So, yeah, I mean, Quentin Tarantino, quick ten sec, quick ten seconds from me of Kill Bill. There's this woman who gets beat up by five people. She wakes up from a coma and she goes on like a killing kills five tour. people. It's on crazy. It's a must watch. Like, if you're going to leave this podcast, turn on some put Kill Bill. It's definitely on like Netflix. Both volumes. Both volumes. It's a two part movie. But anyway, back to what I was saying. So music and music and film, they go hand in hand. Like you said, Quentin Tarantino, Dave Chappelle film, right? Or whatever, yeah, Dave Chappelle film. Essentially, we're talking about the greats in some aspects, right? Yeah. So music in your life, you said you play the piano, you play guitar. I played, obviously, I'm not that good anymore, but I still have like a basic understanding of, you know, how to play chords, how to play like a few songs, so. I mean, I'm also big into music, and I don't play any music, but I listen to a lot of music. Yeah. I mean, I know, I know you're 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 a big music buff. I mean, like you have a whole Snapchat private story for music recommendations, don't you? Yep, I do. So, let's talk about rap since that's one of the most popular genres in the world right now. Mm-hmm. What's your thing on rap, man? I mean, like new school, old school. I I like both. I'm a fan of both because they're different. Um, <clears throat> in terms of old school, you know, different things were valued in the music industry back then that aren't today. And also music production as a whole has changed today. Like what Kendrick's coming up with, nobody came up with 20 years ago, similar to what, you know, like Notorious B.I.G. came up with 25 years ago, nobody's coming up with today. So there are different types of music and rap has a much larger variety than you think of, right? In the same way that rock has hard rock, classical rock, soft rock, pop rock, whatever, right? There's so many different genres. Rap should be considered more in that aspect because you have like lyrical rap, you have melodic rap, you have trap, drill, and all these different types of uh, rap. So yeah. I mean, I, honestly, I- You're listening to. I bunched all of like the different genres. I'm not into old school, to be honest. I mean, like, I feel like the styles of new school and old school, they're very, very different. And also they have a huge difference in impact on culture. I mean, old school, like the stuff they were talking about, like it was real stuff, but like nowadays it's different. They're not really talking. It's, it's more about the sound than it is about like the actual, like what they're saying in some cases, in some cases, not all cases, you know? I mean, I feel like there's three, I think there's three periods, right? You have like old school, like Tupac, Toys, B.I.G. I'd say you, even before that period, you really start out with the 80s, right? People like LL Cool J, Big Daddy Kane, all those people. 
then you move into this kind of later phase where NWA comes out and then it becomes West Coast versus East Coast, right? And that's carried on all the way through uh, Tupac versus Biggie, right? And then you start to move into like the early 2000s. That's when you have 50 Cent, when you have the beef between Nas and Jay-Z, when you've got, you know, all these kind of memed rappers like Cameron, uh, Chameleonaire, you know, coming up with music like that. And then you have um, like the early 2010s and now. I mean, nowadays, I feel like the, I think like rappers nowadays, they have like a, like a much larger impact on culture than rappers back then. This is just, I'm not really that well-versed in the whole music thing, but like, I feel like nowadays, like you have like rappers who are doing things and they're like, it influences so many people. And like sometimes it's not always for the best. Like a little Uzi, little Uzi Vert, if you guys don't know, he's a rapper. He implanted a $24 million pink diamond into his forehead i think it's like i don't know how many carrots it is but it's insane but like yeah. like the amount like it's just taken instagram by storm like now you see people like trying to like do similar things not obviously not implanting like an actual diamond in their head but like putting something on their forehead maybe a tattoo like just like the whole like the whole culture that these rappers are having is like insane and their music like and this doesn't necessarily have to be really good for them to have like a really big impact you know what i'm saying yeah I mean, rap has reached mainstream at this point, obviously, right? And I think back then, certain songs did too. Like, Biggie definitely hit mainstream. Jay-Z definitely hit mainstream. Hell, even Nas, who's pretty lyrical, I'd say, and his songs, you know, are distinct. They're not for, you know, everyday listeners. Those have made it pretty big as well. Um... So yeah, I think rappers definitely have more influence today than they do then. Um, but rap back then was a response to the events that were happening back then. In the sense that a lot of the music produced back then, like NWA, right? Um, and the song F the Police, right? That's a response you can to the police brutality in Los Angeles, right? In the late 80s and throughout all of California. You got public enemy, right? You have so many different like late 80s, early 90s rap groups that are responding to like political issues and things like that. And then you move into the Wu-Tang Clans, the Nas, the Mob Deeps, who kind of talk about like hood storytelling. I, that's what I would describe it as, hood storytelling. Like Big L probably belongs there too. And then you've got the early 2000s and I think that era is just you know look at me I have a music video I'm on this expensive boat on MTV with like 50 chicks or something like that and it became more of like a flex game right like show what you have game and nowadays I think it's gained you know it's gained a lot of uniqueness like some rappers don't even really have a message like what do you say playboy cardi has a message no but his self-titled album i love it i love location woke up like this like a ton of songs on that album are good i'd say his newer one isn't that good but his newer his newer album was really garbage like really, yeah no it was pretty I, I like one song like sky and that was it yeah, yeah. Um, like i said i'm not really well versed into like old music i'm more like into the modern rap but like I mean it's worth the journey like the thing is people like nowadays or the people I 
talk to a lot, right? There are two types of people, people who will dig through old stuff and people who will just wait for their favorite artists to release the next album before listening to, you know, any different content. And I think definitely you should try both styles of listening, right? You should wait for your favorite artists to come up with new music, but in the same time, you should take a risk and listen to, you know, different categories of rap, you know, and not even rap, like rock, um, music from different cultures, all that, because it's important. All right, well, just so that you can curate, so you're a music buff, listeners out there like myself might not be well-versed in either in old school or new school, top five rappers old school pick any like era that can constitute this old school and then top five rappers new school in your book that's difficult man that is difficult in terms of top five rappers new school kendrick and cole are locks in there i feel like you have to have drake as well just because of the fact that you know drake's insane like insane what i don't like when people talk about drake is that people sometimes don't respect his lyrical ability. And you'll see that in the early 2010s, maybe not as much that more since it's kind of transitioned to a little bit more pop, right? He spits. I mean, he like his ability just to go from like, like, like a nice like slow song, like Hotline Bling, which not necessarily slow, but like more like melodic, right? To like, like bar after bar after bar on like Never Recover with, on like Lil Baby's album. like. That's just like be able to switch different style like that. That's crazy. And like Cole did that with like Middle Child and the KOD. Like those are two different styles. Lamar, I don't even have to speak on Lamar. Like, come on. Yeah, like, no, Lamar. Yeah. You know he won a Pulitzer at this point. Like, that's he's, crazy. He's yeah, like a rapper winning a. Yeah, poet. He he won a poet award. Like that's just okay. But anyways, so you have Lamar, Cole, Drake. Not necessarily in order, right? Or in order? Yeah, not not in order. Not in order. All right, last two. Um, what do you define we? What do you define Lil Wayne to be old school or new school? I'll go off your interpretation. I mean, I feel like if he's still playing out music now and he's still relevant in the culture, I put him in new school. He's still relevant in the culture, so then yeah, that's enough for me. Yeah, that's enough for me to put him in the top five. He definitely has very good music. Um, in terms of the last one, <clears throat> I'd have to maybe put. That's difficult because when you're putting a five, that means I have to admit like a bunch of people who I think are definitely good enough. Ooh, but off the top of my head, if I had to pick someone whose music I listen to a lot, let me just go on Apple Music right now and I'll tell you. Yeah, you know Freddie, Gibbs. Freddie Gibbs. Freddie Gibbs. Freddie Gibbs. You know, I agree with your list 100%, but you know I'm putting at number five who instead of Freddie Gibbs? I might get some hate for this, but I'm putting Denzel Curry in there. Oh, no. Denzel Curry is in definite contention for that. You don't have – I'm one of the biggest Denzel Curry fans you'll meet, you know. Like, Denzel Curry, I love like, Taboo. I love Zoo. Um, you know, Unlocked was a great album because of um, – oh, my bad, my bad. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Denzel Curry is a great artist. Unlocked was a great album. Taboo was a great album. Zoo was a great album. He's had great producers as well, but I definitely think his lyrical ability is up there. His sense of flow is extremely unique. His, I mean, I'm so mad because everybody knows his song Ultimate, which got completely memed and like turned into yeah. a vine. But like the ability to have to like, to like, I am the one, the one. 
like the rap at that level of volume for that amount of time is crazy. Like it takes a amount of a breath control and like he just spits bar after bar. If you look if you look at the lyrics, like his lyrical ability is insane. Like I just I I'm putting him higher than Cole. Like if I didn't make the list one through five, I'm putting I'm putting in terms of lyric lyrics, I'm putting Denzel over Cole. Like I don't even care. You're good at different things though. Because at the same I mean, time you have like, to realize that Cole has volume dating back from the early two thousands, right? So he's right. definitely up there in the game. Um, in terms of old school, I can't speak on this. In terms of old school, gotta have Nas in there. One of the greatest lyricists of all time. Is this favorite or best? Best. Well, no, you can be a little biased, but like admit you're being biased a little bit. Okay. Nas belongs in any person's list. Period. Um, I'd say Biggie, his, his flow, you know, it's not really my type of music, but I just appreciate it right. as great music and like music that I'll put on like once in a while. I'd have to say Wu-Tang, could I put a group in there? Yeah, of course. Yeah, Wu-Tang Clan. So that's Wu-Tang Clan, Biggie Nas. Tupac? Um, see, I love Tupac because his message was so strong and because he showed a lot of lyrical ability in the songs that, you know, were less poppy, but he wouldn't make it to my top five because I think there are better lyricists, though nobody had as strong of a message and as influence as he did. Right. So okay. I definitely respect him in the game. You know, I'll listen to Changes, Dear Mama, you know, he made great music. He's just not in my top five. So you've got three so far. Last two. Last two. It's difficult. Because old school, like new school, we're really thinking of 2010s, right? Right. Old school, now. Old school spans from like 89 to like. You put Jay Z's old school? Yeah, Jay Z's old school. Definitely. He came out with Dead Presidents in like 96 and he was freestyling in like the early 90s. And that, you want to put him in top five? See, I love Jay-Z music, right? I think he, you know, The Blueprint is definitely a great album, but I don't think he's so lyrically outstanding to where I have to like pause and just like think about it. But I'm probably going to tell you the most underrated rapper, at least in my opinion of all time, who's going to be in this top five. It's Big L, the punchline king. I've never heard of him. Yeah, do yourself a favor. And if you're into rap, just go listen to some of the freestyles he made in the 90s or the two albums. It's sad that we never really got to see him in his absolute prime because he got shot when he was like 25, right? Damn. Like 99. Um, and he only really released like two albums or one album, one mixtape. Right. But uh, he's up there lyrically. He's probably one of the most like refined people lyrically I've ever heard, not in terms of vocabulary, but just in terms of like cadence and like, intelligence punchlines all right so you got big l nwa you put nwa in there did you no i didn't okay so you have sorry you have biggie you have big l you have wu-tang clan who's one of the one you put nas you put nas in there i put nas so the last one so the last one i feel like you put nwa in there you're covering a lot of ground like covering ice cube and like other people in the group 
Yeah. And I mean, Dre is one of the most important producers of all time, right? In terms of like how he brought up Snoop Dogg and Eminem. But oh shit, you're forgetting those two legends. Mm-hmm. You left Snoop out Dogg and Eminem, but see, they wouldn't make it for me. As crazy as that sounds, right? Or maybe Eminem would, not Snoop Dogg. Eminem, Snoop Dogg, not really, but Eminem, like, okay, I, no, I, I, I don't know why I forgot about him, but like Eminem yeah, has he's up, to be. he's up there. Definitely up there. Is he in the top five? In my favorite, no, but he'd probably have to round out the top five in terms of talent. Other people people who definitely belong there in terms of talent. If you've heard MF Doom, you either hate him or you love him and there's no in between. That's just a very strange artist who was insanely lyrically and had very good beat production, right? So, I mean, that's definitely a solo listen if you want to listen to MF Doom, but check him out if you want. That's another great rapper in the uh, late 90s, early 2000s. If we're talking about like, I'll give you like two other rappers, right? Probably like NWA belongs up there. Yeah, I, I was lost, but why don't they come in? Mm-hmm. NWA and... Uh... Yeah, maybe you do have to put Pac. Tupac there. I mean, Tupac just for the culture, man. Like, yeah, just for the yeah, just what he did for the rap game. I mean, for real. Mm-hmm. So, all right, you listen to your top five new school rappers. Listen to your top five old school rappers. So, just name one movie you recommend to a listener to listen to, to watch, and name one song to watch to to listen. Sorry. I think we already said the movie earlier in the podcast and let me just, you know, say it again because we both agree. Kill Bill, watch both volumes. Take the time. It's so good. Watch other Quentin Tarantino as well. He's just such an original director. Um, In terms of one song to listen to, let me give you a new school song to listen to and an old school song to listen to. Extra credit. You know what? I am an idiot. Because I did not list Kanye West at all. Oh, wow. I forgot. Right. He has to be top five. Probably not new school, but for old school. Because I define like uh, late registration, college dropout, all those albums as, uh, as like old school almost. And his cultural impact is huge too. And his cultural impact is huge too. So honestly, if I'm going to give you a song, let me give you a Kanye song to make myself feel a little better about, you know, snubbing him that hard. Um, let me give you Touch the Sky featuring Lupe Fiasco off Late Registration. Um, In Life of Pablo, uh, obviously Father Stretch My Hands is the famous one, but listen to Famous and Waves. Um, Heartless is another classic. And to give you one more, I'll give you Flashing Lights. So, yeah. All right, solid. Any other advice? Don't do drugs, kids. All right, solid advice. Take, listen, please. Thank you, Sam, for being on this podcast. You're welcome. Right. And I'll catch you in the next one. 20, I love this one.